0: amen i'll invite you to turn your bibles to isaiah chapter 53 i want to teach this evening on a subject that we could entitle healing belongs to us and i want to use a three-pronged approach to the subject and the first one begins in isaiah 53 verse 4 speaking of the messiah and the work that the messiah would do isaiah said by the holy ghost surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Now, if you look up the words uh, griefs and sorrows, you'll see that it means sickness and pains. It's translated sickness and pains in other places where it's used in the Old Testament. And without throwing stones at anybody or knowing their motivation behind it, apparently the King James translators just bailed out when they came to these words. You know as well as I do that a, 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 a translation is only as good as the translator's knowledge of the language is concerned And only as good as their interpretation or their understanding of the character and the nature of God. If they have a wrong understanding of the character and the nature of God. Then they're not going to be able to translate the the scripture. The Old Testament Hebrew into English in a way that would fit with what God intended. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Now, notice that phrase, smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, Isaiah is telling us there's a lot more going on in the spirit realm when Jesus would be crucified than there was to the natural eye. He's not talking about smitten of the Roman soldiers. He's talking about the significance of the experience to bring about our salvation so when Jesus was hanging on the cross he was smitten of God not just of the Roman soldiers now don't get me wrong the Roman soldiers beating and the mistreatment of him that the Bible describes was certainly horrible and there's no question in my mind and shouldn't be in yours that the Romans took out on Jesus whatever hatred they had toward the Jews as a people but then also as their claim to be God's favorites you remember in, uh, uh, in Old Testament times, the Jews were considered the children of God or the, the family of God, and everybody else was considered dogs. I'm sure that grated on a lot of people to be called a dog by a Jew. So here this is talking about what's going on behind the scenes, not just what was visible to the naked eye. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Now folks, the rule of Bible interpretation is set by God himself. When he said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That means it's important for us to find backup scriptures. to to prove the points that we're trying to make rather than just take a scripture out of its context now the Holy Ghost is the one that said in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established so he certainly knows the criteria that he set in place for us to build church doctrine on or Bible doctrine on so if he hasn't provided for us at least two other places two other scriptures then we'd be in error trying to make a doctrine out of what we just read in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Let's read it again. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, speaking of Jesus in his earthly ministry, beginning in verse 16, it says, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Here's a Holy Ghost commentary on Isaiah 53. The Holy Ghost that spoke the words through Isaiah or gave, influenced Isaiah to speak the words that we have record of has now inspired Matthew to identify the work of Jesus. And notice he connects physical healing with the work of Jesus and references Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 for it. See, there's a lot of the church world that will say, taking Isaiah 53, that will say, well, he healed us spiritually. Well, if this is the example that the Holy Ghost gives, thank God it is. If this is the example in Matthew chapter 8 that God provides us for the meaning to be clearly understood of Isaiah 53, 4, and 5, then we have to conclude that he's talking about physical healing. By his stripes, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed physically, not spiritually. And notice something else about these two verses, verses 16 and 17. It's not just, thank God it's involved it's included, but it's not just healing that fulfills or proves out Isaiah 53, 4, and 5. It's the fact that everybody that was sick that was healed. The fulfilling or the fulfillment is not just physical healing, but physical healing for everybody. See, it was only, it could only be the, the fulfillment of what God said through Isaiah, concerning the work of Jesus and the shedding of his blood, if all were healed. That's the only way it can be the fulfillment. And that's where people in this modern-day church world trip up and stumble. Because you're not going to find many Christians anywhere that don't believe that God can heal. Most Christians are of the opinion and of the persuasion That God's strong enough, he's big enough, he's powerful enough to do anything that he wants to. Certainly he can heal. But the question for most of the modern day church is, but who is it his will to heal? It might be his will to heal one and not his will to heal another. Well, we can disprove that from a lot of different sources. The simplest one is the truth that God said of himself, I am God, I change not. Well, if he doesn't change, he can't be on one side of the healing issue one day and the other side of the healing issue on the, on the second day. He's got to be consistent. If he doesn't change, then that means he has to be consistent. He has to be consistent where his word and the application of his word is concerned. He has to be consistent where the healing of the sick is concerned. So if it's hev- ever his will to heal anybody, then it has to be his will to heal everybody. Or on the converse, if it's not his will to heal everybody, then he could never act in such a way as to bring healing because that would violate what he said of himself but instead he said i'm god i change not and the holy ghost gives us evidence gives us a new testament proof of what isaiah 53 4 and 5 is talking about it's talking about physical healing for everyone but again the holy ghost said in the mouth of two or three witnesses we've seen two let's look at the third look with me over to first peter chapter two 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 24, it says, Who is own self, and of course this is talking about Jesus, who is own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. By whose stripes you were healed. Now I want you to notice there's a difference in this. Isaiah said, Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, and carried our pains. When Isaiah is talking about the truth of the word, he goes on in verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, by his stripes, we are healed. Peter says were. Isaiah says we are healed. Peter says we were healed. Now what's the difference or what the, what's the reason for the difference? Well, quite simply, Isaiah is looking several hundred years into the future for the work of the Messiah, what Jesus would do. But Peter, who was present in the event, the occurrence that's described in Matthew 8, 16 and 17, where all that were, uh, he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He was present for that. And now, some years later, as a leader in the church, after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit inspires him to tell us again, That Isaiah's prophecy was associated with and connected directly to physical healing. And because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because that work was finished, because his resurrection has already taken place, we were healed by his stripes. Now what that means is very simply this, folks. God doesn't have to do one more thing. Jesus does not have to undertake one more effort or act concerning the healing of our bodies because it's already finished it's already accomplished I think a lot of people trip up when they're seeking after their healing because they ask God to do something well folks God's not going to do something about your healing or mine and the reality is he's already done everything that is necessary to affect your healing and mine well now since we see in the first prong of this approach is the fact that healing belongs to us because Jesus paid for it in his blood. Just as he paid for sin to bring us into redemption, most people think it's forgiveness of sins, and thank God they are forgiven, but they're more than just forgiven, they're washed away. So just as Jesus paid for the washing away of our sins, he paid for the sickness that would attach itself to our bodies by the influence of the devil. Now let's take another approach. Turn with me over to, let's start in uh, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 gives us what may be the clearest answer about healing belongs to us during the entirety of the time that he was here on the earth. We're starting verse 21. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, "Truth, Lord! Yet the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from their master's table." Then Jesus answered and said unto her, "O woman, great is thy faith; be it unto thee even as thou wilt." And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Two things I want you to see in this. First of all, her faith made her whole. Her, her faith made her daughter whole. The exercise of her faith brought the healing that she was seeking after. Now, in this case, she was seeking after seeking it for her loved one rather than for herself but the same thing is true no matter who she was looking for healing to come for or to benefit but since jesus paid his blood shed his blood for sin and sickness then the same action the same spiritual action of faith that is necessary for us to come into the family of god would be the means or the method whereby we would reach out and take hold of physical healing for our bodies You can see that her faith brought her answer. Well, she didn't have the opportunity to believe in the shed blood of Jesus because Jesus hadn't yet been to the cross. Well, what did she believe? She believed that Jesus was sent to the earth to reveal the Father to us. And one of the means that he did reveal the Father, the character and the nature of God to us is by healing the sick. But there's another point that I want you to see here. And that is verse 26. He answered and said, It is not meat or right or appropriate to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. This may be the clearest statement ever made by Jesus during his earthly ministry about healing, physical healing, belonging to the children of Abraham. He calls it the children's bread. In other words, he says it's the possession of the Jews. It is a possession of the Jews. They don't have to do anything to possess it. It already is the possession of the Jews. Now, again, the Holy Ghost said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let's find another witness. Look with me over to Luke chapter 13. We'll start in verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years and was bound together and could in no wise lift up herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Then said he unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Folks, can you, surely you can see along with me the hypocrisy, the, the tremendous level of hypocrisy by the ruler of the synagogue, who had probably never done anything to help this woman, certainly never did anything over the last 18 years to bring her to a place where she could receive her healing. And the ruler of the synagogue says, Jesus, you did the wrong thing. You broke the law of Moses by healing on the Sabbath day. Verse 15, then the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Well, nobody would fail to do that, they wouldn't take the chance on their livestock or the the tools that they need to farm and, and so forth to not be taken care of. Jesus says in verse 16, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan is bound, lo, these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. Jesus gives two reasons for healing this woman, or two reasons why this woman ought to be healed. Not only was she bound by Satan, but she was a child of Abraham, a daughter of Abraham. In other words, the blessing of Abraham definitely unequivocally unquestioningly included healing physical healing for our bodies it was the children's bread in Matthew 15 and this daughter of Abraham ought to receive what 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 belonged to the Jewish people through their father Abraham now some would stop there and say yeah but that's that belongs to the Jews No doubt about that. Healing belongs to the Jews, all right. But that doesn't do me any good. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. You can find that there are 17 different specific diseases listed there as a part of disobedience to the law of Moses. And then it concludes in verse 61 By saying also every sickness and every disease not mentioned in this book of the law. Those are also a part of the curse of disobedience. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. See folks Jesus' method of being killed. The crucifixion was very specifically necessary. To fulfill the Old Testament types. And the Old Testament prophecies. But even more than that, Jesus had to suffer the greatest disrespect in the manner in which he died to be made sin as your substitute and mine. See, it made a difference whether Jesus was beheaded or crucified. It made a difference how Jesus died. Jesus had to die the death that symbolized the death of the wicked, not the death of the righteous. He had to suffer the crucifixion. He had to suffer the the beating in Pilate's court, the taking on his back, the stripes, which opened his back up to a flow of blood that provided healing for your body and for mine. That was necessary. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Notice verse 14, that or so that. Here's the reason why that was necessary. So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The Bible is telling us, Paul is telling us by the Holy Ghost in Galatians chapter 3 that Jesus' death and his manner of death Was to bring about one specific result. And that was the blessing of Abraham becoming ours. Skip down with me in Galatians chapter 3 to verse 29. And if you be Christ. That means if you've been born into the family of God. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life by faith. Believing that God raised him from the dead. And confessing him as your Lord and Savior. That brings you into this verse of scripture. And tells you what belongs to you. And if you be Christ, since you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Being in Christ makes you a recipient of the blessings of Abraham, which Jesus clearly identified on two different occasions, clearly identified was the blessing of, of healing, physical healing for your body. That is part of the blessing of Abraham. That is what belongs to you and to me. So the second prong of this approach, the first one was that Jesus shed his blood for your physical well-being. The second is that healing is clearly a part of the blessing of Abraham that has been made available to you and me by coming into the family of God. Now that brings us to the third approach. Look with me to Luke chapter 9. Verse 1, it says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, folks, the kingdom of God has to include healing if Jesus attached them together, which he did. You remember Jesus prayed and taught the disciples to pray what we know of as the Lord's Prayer It's not really even a New Testament prayer. There's some good things in there and there's some good principles in there. But it was a prayer for the time that Jesus was still on the earth. Not a time for after he was raised from the dead. See, the Bible said, Jesus said that in the day that we live in, the day following his resurrection, we would ask the Father in his name. Well, the name of Jesus isn't anywhere in the Lord's Prayer. So it was an uh, intermediary prayer prayer for a specific time, for a specific purpose. And do you remember what Jesus told him to pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of God is where things are on earth just like they are in heaven. Well, how are things in heaven? Any sickness and disease in heaven? If there's no sickness and disease in heaven, the Bible says there's nothing there to hurt or harm mankind in any way whatsoever. If there's no disease or sickness in heaven, then that has to mean God didn't want it to be there. And God made the earth apart from sickness and disease as well. The Bible tells us about the six days of creation where God created everything by the words of his mouth. It says 10 times in Genesis chapter 1, and God said, and it was. And then the Bible says on the seventh day he rested. Specifically, it means he put an end to everything that he created. Well, if sickness and disease is of God, he had to create it. And since he didn't create anything after the first six days of the creation account, that means if he created it, he had to create it in, in day one through six. Because at the end of the sixth day, when he made an end of everything that he created, he looked at the man and he looked at the earth, he looked at what he created, and he said it was very good. Well, where was sickness? It wasn't present. Sickness did not make its entrance into the world until the law of sin and death began to rule and dominate man. Now, folks, if God didn't create sickness, he certainly would have no way to use it. If God uses sickness and disease, as some people say, to teach us, to deepen our piety or whatever dumb excuse they use. If God was in the business of using sickness and disease, then we have to ask the question, where would he get it from? Certainly didn't get it in heaven. There is no sickness or disease there. It's not a part of what God made It originated with the devil and not from God. So if God's going to use sickness and disease to teach you or me or anybody else, he's going to have to get it from the devil. Now, is anybody really of the opinion that God and the devil are working hand in hand in any manner whatsoever? If God and the devil are ever working hand in hand to accomplish a similar or same purpose, then what would be the difference between God and the devil? And how could the devil tell, or I'm sorry, how could the word inspired by the Holy Ghost instruct us time after time after time to resist the devil and his works? It's absurd to think that God's working with the devil. It's just as absurd to think that God could use sickness or disease because he doesn't have any. Are you with me? Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 6. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. For the sake of time, skip down to verse 9. He told them, and healed the sick that are therein, and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Notice how God, here's Jesus, the Holy Ghost giving us a faithful representation of what Jesus said to the disciples, as recorded by Luke. Jesus again connects healing with the kingdom of God. This is the same kingdom that He prayed, that He taught the disciples to pray that would come. Pray to the Father, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So even though they're getting a glimpse. Of the kingdom of God. Jesus very definitely, specifically includes healing for the physical body as a part of the kingdom of God. Let's look at another example over in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, it says And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. It gives us the name of the disciples. Verse 5, it says, Then these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely give. Again, Jesus does the same thing. The Holy Spirit considered this important enough for Matthew to give us an account too. He connects. He, meaning Jesus, connects directly. Healing for the physical body and the kingdom of God. In this case, he called it the kingdom of heaven. Now, folks, there's a big difference between the day we live in and the day that Jesus commissioned his disciples to preach when he commissioned his disciples to preach the kingdom of God and to demonstrate the kingdom of God by healing the sick, he's joining together those two things. Healing the sick has to be part of the kingdom of God, where the will of God is done on this earth just like it is in heaven. But we live in a different day. Some people would say, yeah, we do. We live in a different day. We live in a day where all those things have passed away. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 9, Paul said, for this cause, and again he's inspired by the Holy Ghost to say these things, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath, everybody say hath, that's past tense, who hath delivered us From the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Quite simply, folks, Paul is saying by the Holy Spirit that we're not living in the day that the disciples did when Jesus was still on the earth, when they were praying for the kingdom of God to come. Rather, we're living in the day where the kingdom of God has come because Jesus has redeemed us by his precious blood, in whom we have redemption through the precious blood of Jesus. Since we are living in a day where the kingdom of God has come, we have to recognize and acknowledge that we're living in the day where healing is made available to all mankind. Jesus told the disciples to heal the sick and say the kingdom of God is near. We don't have to say the kingdom of God is near. We say the kingdom of God has come. Now look at that word translate. Let's read this verse again. Read verse 13 again. Who has delivered us, talking about Jesus, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Then it talks about the connection of redemption. Quite simply what it means is the same faith that brought us into the kingdom of God or brought us into the family of God brings us into all the benefits and blessings of the kingdom of God as well. Look at how many times we see in the, in the ministry of Jesus where people were healed by their own faith. We read in Matthew 15 where the woman wouldn't give up. Where Jesus said, it's not time to minister to you. I'm sent first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But her tenacity, her persistency, persistency, is that a word? She wouldn't give up. Let's say it like that. The fact that she would not give up, even though it was not yet time for her to receive, God couldn't deny her. See, folks, God always responds to faith, even if, as in the case of Matthew 15, it was coming from somebody at the wrong time in the wrong place. Jesus couldn't deny her faith. The reason he couldn't deny her faith, to provide healing for her daughter. Is because it's a part of the character and the nature of God. And God's character never changes. Nature never changes. His will concerning sickness and disease never changes. God never changes. So her faith made her whole. You may remember the story in Mark chapter 5. The woman with issue of blood. She hears of Jesus. And she comes in the press behind. Because she said if I can just touch his clothes I shall be whole. She reaches out and touches Jesus' garment. Healing power went out of him and in her. Jesus knew the power left him. She knew something happened in her body. The issue of blood dried up. And Jesus looks round about to see her that had done this thing. When she falls down before him and tells him all the truth, Jesus said, this is uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 34. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and behold thine plague. Her faith in Jesus brought about healing for her physical body from uh, an incurable condition that had robbed her of 12 years of her life and everything that she had because it was spent on doctors. Time and time again, it tells us the faith of the individual was necessary. Even in Jesus' hometown of Nazareth in Mark chapter 6, Jesus coming back for the first time after he's been anointed of the Holy Ghost to do uh, works of healing, mighty works of healing. He marveled at their unbelief. He could there do no mighty work, Mark 6 5 says. He could not, doesn't say he wouldn't, doesn't say he didn't want to. It says he could not do any mighty work in Nazareth. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Well, if unbelief hinders healing works and healing miracles, then the opposite of unbelief, which is faith, has to be that which opens the door for us to receive what God has done for us through the work of Jesus. Thank God it has. We've been translated. The word "translate" means to carry, to transfer, or to exchange. It literally means, you remember in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about Enoch being translated. He was walking here on the earth. He was in one place, one moment, and then the next moment he was taken up into heaven to another specific and distinct place. That's what translate means. It means to be taken out of one thing and put into another thing. Well, what were we translated from? We were translated from the power of darkness and placed in the kingdom of God itself. The kingdom of his dear son. Well, if the kingdom of Jesus is in the kingdom of God, what is it? Thank God we've been translated. We don't have to wait for God to do another work. We don't have to wait for God to send some kind of special power for you or for me. We don't have to wait for one thing yet to be done, because the work has been finished. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's translated us into the blessing of Abraham, which includes healing for the physical body. So instead of somebody preaching saying the kingdom of God is close, we can say the kingdom of God is here. And all the blessings, the attendant blessings and benefits thereof, David knew what these blessings and benefits were. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Well, what were the benefits? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction and crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The older I get, the more important that verse is. If the blessings and the benefits included not only forgiveness of sins under the old covenant, but also healing for our physical bodies, how could we have less in our day, this day, the day of the resurrection of Jesus, when the Bible says we have a better covenant established upon better promises? Folks, healing belongs to us. Healing belongs to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for the truth of your word. Therefore, we extend the hand of faith to take hold of that which we cannot see with our natural eye. Lord, just as we believe that you were raised from the dead after paying the sacrificial price of your own blood for us, we believe that that blood was shed even as the scripture says to effect a healing and a cure from our, in our physical bodies from sickness and disease. So we declare that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus We declare that healing was a finished work. We declare we've been translated into the kingdom of God. We've been translated into the divine health of God himself that is part and parcel of the redemptive plan that Jesus carried out. Thank you, Father. Thank you that healing is ours. No matter what it looks like, no matter how we feel, no matter whether things seem to turn for the better or for the worse, we believe your word is true. We believe that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes, we were healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. It's so good to be healed. We thank you for lifting the burden off our shoulders and taking the yoke off of our neck. And that yoke was destroyed because of the anointing of God. Lord, we thank you for restoring us to health and healing our wounds. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made an utter end of affliction. It shall not rise again the second time. We bless you, Father. We attend to your words. We incline our ear to your sayings. We let them not depart from our eyes. We keep them in the midst of our heart. And your word is life unto us because we have found it and health to all of our flesh. We bless you, Holy Father. We worship and magnify you, Lord Jesus, for carrying out this great and wonderful plan of redemption and paying the awful price that it cost to bring it to us. Thank you, Father, for your healing mercy that works supernaturally in our bodies even at this moment. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and we give you glory and honor for them, Lord Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us, folks. Have a great week.